filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Caligiuri. All right. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where I make sure week after week, you don't have to read a book. I'm doing all that dirty work for you. Don't worry about having to sift through a book, make notes, try to remember everything that's you know important in the book. I'm doing that for you week after week because every single week I'm reading a book and I'm distilling it down to its core golden nuggets, which you'll get here on the podcast. So like I said, thank you so much for joining me. It's been, um, it's been a crazy month actually and the podcast itself has been killing it, killing it. Uh, last week, you know, I was telling you that the podcast has, um, it cracked the new and newsworthy. It cracked the uh, top 20 top business podcasts as well too and iTunes rankings, they fluctuate up and down, up and down. But, uh, you know, I've um, uh, been seeing the podcast up there consistently over the past two weeks. So it's fantastic news. I love to see that. And I'm glad that I'm able to bring some value to you. And um, I'm glad that it's helping you. So another thing that can help you out as well, too, if you haven't already done it, go to CutTheCrapPodcast.com and sign up for the weekly mind map. Again, if you are a marketing professional, sales professional, entrepreneur, uh, if you're just in management, if you are a CEO... If you're uh, you know, interested in general business topics, it's probably going to be of use to you because I like to read a lot of business books, but I don't like to reread them over and over and over again. Um, you know, Oftentimes, I make a lot of highlights in there, but that's why I'm creating the mind map so I don't have to go back over and do them. If I have the mind map, I can go ahead, look at the mind map, see all of the golden nuggets and all of the core points that stem from each golden nugget. It's a great tool. It's a one-pager with the summary of the book on it. I can guarantee you it'll help you remember all the major points from each book that you read. And like I said, it's a great compliment to the podcast. So if you sign up, you will get today's golden nuggets in the form of a mind map as well too. So on that note, this week's book is Rework. Rework by Jason Fried and David Heinemer Hansen. I got to be honest, I think this is probably one of my top three most favorite books that I've ever read. Now, the reason I'm a big fan of this book is that it takes a lot of traditional ways of looking at business and throws it out the window, and they offer their own unorthodox advice in terms of how you should behave as a professional and how you should perform certain tasks, and there's a lot of really core golden nuggets from here that I believe, I don't want to say spit in the face of how things are done, but yeah, I mean, they're really unorthodox. Uh, and as you go through, you'll sort of see, you know, what I mean by that. I think the really cool thing about this, though, is that these guys aren't just, you know, authors. These guys are credible business people. Jason and David, um, they created a company called 37 Signals. And it was a website company many years ago. And as a website company, they realized they had to do more. They had to create more. So they started creating apps and new, not really apps, but new types of technologies, new products. One of those products being Basecamp. And for a lot of people listening to this, you know what Basecamp is. And these guys had done a fantastic job of not only building that product, but many other products as well too. So they know what the hell they're talking about. They've been wildly successful. And you know what? I'll take advice from people who have been there, done that, have been in the trenches, and have had all the battle scars. 
And I want to hear what they do, what they believe, um, and their philosophies on business. Because, hey, if you want to be successful like them, follow some advice from people who have already gone there. So to me, again, this is a great book for anybody in business. Um, Again, specifically for people in management, sales, marketing. If you're an entrepreneur running your own company as well, too. I think it's going to be a really, really great read. And can't wait to break into some of these golden nuggets. So without further ado, let's get into it. Golden nugget number one. And this is one hell of a gold nugget to kick it off with. Planning is guessing. So unless you're a fortune teller, and I'm pretty sure you're not, long-term business planning is a fantasy. There are too many factors that are out of your hands, market conditions, competitors, customers, the economy, employees. And with all these things out of our control, it really makes it difficult for us to plan for the future. And yet the reason we write plans is to feel in control of our future. And it's not like we can get out of making plans. Good luck going to your boss or good luck trying to run a business without a plan. You need a plan. But what if we started calling plans what they really are? Guesses. Start referring to your marketing plan as marketing guesses. Your financial plans as financial guesses. Your strategic plans as strategic guesses. All so that you can stop worrying about them so much. They're just not worth the stress. And we spend so much time, so much resources just putting together plans. I was with an organization once and they developed a 75, I'll never forget this, a 75-page marketing plan with just so much detail. It was ridiculous. They had everything that you possibly could imagine in the marketing plan. Nobody's going to go back and read it all over again. I mean, it's such a cliche. If you listen to anybody who knows about planning these days, long plans, they just don't make sense. They collect dust on tables. And yet you have these, you know, big shots from PwC and Deloitte who are coming in and building these massive plans and companies are paying $25,000 plus for a plan. And some of you out there listening right now, you're saying $25,000. Where'd you get that discounted plan? Yeah, I know some people who paid about $100,000 for their strategic plans. It's ridiculous. So while the authors of the book, Jason and David, I don't think that they're encouraging people to work haphazardly without a plan. They're just noticing that too many people are putting too much stock in planning. And for me personally, I was definitely one of those people. I love planning. I love to develop a strategy. But my problem was that I put too much time into the plan. And this is a really good reminder for me and something that I always have to keep in mind is to not put too much work into the plan. And while some of you out there right now are listening and saying, come on, Ryan, you got to put time into the plan. Yeah, for sure you do. But don't put that much time in. Focus on execution. That's where these guys succeeded. These guys focused on execution. They were continuously pushing new products, new services out there. And they were getting constant feedback coming back to them. And I'll get into some of those points again later on. So don't put too much pressure on yourself. The world is always changing. Trends are always changing. And no matter how hard you try, you are not a fortune teller. These are your best guesses. So hopefully they work out for you. But again, don't put too much stock in the plan because things change really quickly. Golden nugget number two, draw a line in the sand. So as you get going, it doesn't matter what you create. It could be an article, a blog post, a business plan. It could even be a business Whatever you're doing, remember why you're doing what you're doing. Great people and great businesses, they have a point of view that goes beyond just a product or service. You have to believe in something deeper than just the product. And you have to have a backbone. That's what this golden nugget is all about, having a backbone. 
By taking a strong stance for something, you attract super fans who spread the word farther and wider than any amount of advertising possibly could. When you take a strong stance, yes, you will piss some people off. And it's important to be okay with that. It's okay that you're going to piss people off. You have permission to do that. The thing that you shouldn't do is change the moment that someone poo-poos on an idea or criticizes you. Because let me tell you, it's going to happen. And it could be on the stupidest of things too. You might have just written a sentence that perhaps rubbed somebody the wrong way and they wrote a comment about you that you didn't like. Instead of rushing back to the blog and changing it, nah, screw them. Keep it there. Don't change it. You said it. You made that statement. Keep it there. Far too many people, they launch campaigns, they write articles, you know, they start businesses, or they build new products, new services, and they're proud of them. It's odd because they're proud of them. They say, yeah, you know, this is a really, really good product or a good article. I'm really proud of it. But then somebody comes out of the woodwork and says, yeah, I didn't like it that much. I didn't like it. So now they put their tail in between their legs and they say, so now that somebody else um, didn't like it, I don't know if I like it that much either. I don't think I do like it. No, no, no. Cut that crap out. Have a freaking backbone and draw a line in the sand for something. What do you stand for? Have some confidence in that. Far too many business people, they're just floating in the wind. They don't stand for anything in particular. They take any type of opportunity that comes their way. They change at a moment's notice. When somebody says, I don't like it, they say, yes, I'll change it. That is bullcrap, you guys. Seriously, stand for something. What do you stand for? And chances are a lot of you listening to this right now, maybe you don't stand for anything. What do you stand for? Draw a line in the sand and don't allow anybody to shake you from that position. Solid advice here. Solid advice for anybody who's going to be diving into creating something new, something that challenges the status quo, an innovation, a new marketing campaign, a new sales strategy, a new type of product or service. If you're developing anything new in this world, you got to draw a line in the sand. You have to have a backbone. I cannot stress that enough. And obviously, the authors of this book know that very well because they've developed a lot of products and a lot of services. And I'm sure that if they didn't have a backbone, I wouldn't have been reading this book this week. Golden nugget number three, scratch your own itch. So the easiest, most straightforward way to create a great product or a great service is to make something that you want to use. Now, when Jason and David ran 37 Signals, they built products they needed. For example, they wanted a tool that would allow them to keep track of the conversations they were having with clients and when they needed to follow up. So they built HiRise, a contact management tool. They had an itch and they scratched it. So when you build a product or service for yourself, you can solve a hundred probably more tiny little decisions every single week because you're the owner. It's something that you want to build, not something someone else wants to build. If you build something for someone else, there's a big time gap there as you have to stab in the dark or create extra layers to find out what they like, what they don't like. And that's where a lot of this voice of the customer stuff comes in. And while yes, it's necessary, if you have the option to scratch your own itch, create a product or service that you are passionate about that you want, man, that's powerful. When you solve your own problem, the light comes on faster because you know what you like. You know what you dislike. Take, for example, James Dyson, obviously the creator of the Dyson vacuum. 
He scratched his own itch while vacuuming his home. He realized his bag vacuum cleaner was constantly losing suction power because dust, it kept clogging the pores in the bag and it was decreasing the effectiveness of the suction. So he went out, scratched his own itch, and solved the problem by coming up with the world's first cyclonic bagless vacuum cleaner. Cool story, right? And obviously the rest is history. He's wildly successful and the Dyson vacuum is, again, it's a tremendous product. Have one in my own house. So when you follow this approach and solve your own problem, it lets you fall in love with what you're making. You know the problem. You're passionate about finding a solution and you'll always make it better. It's a very cool way to approach innovation, to approach product development, service development. Put time into the things that you care about. Solve your own problems. What kind of cool product, services, campaigns, whatever it is, could you come up with? It's a cool approach. Instead of looking outwards, look inwards. Golden nugget number four. Outside money is plan Z. No matter what you do, take as little outside money as possible to fuel your growth. Now, while it may sound attractive at first, in the end, the majority of people that Jason and David, again, the authors of this book, the majority of the people that they talked to who took money from investors regretted it. The reason they regret it is that you give up control when you have outside investors, which means you have less say in what direction you feel is best for the company. Cashing out trumps building a quality business when you have investors who want their money back within three to five years. And so what happens is that your attention begins to divert to paying them back as opposed to building a business with long-term sustainability and competitiveness. Spending other people's money also can be very dangerous because it's addictive. Once you run out of money, a lot of the times it's easy to go get more. Nah, not all the time, but sometimes it's easy to go back and get more money. And when you get more money, you have to give up just a little bit more of your business. So who's really winning here? The really sad thing about this is when you start taking out money, customers, they start to move down the totem pole because you end up building what your investors want as opposed to what your customers want, what you want. And that's really a crappy thing about this. And, you know, I, I, it's, yes, it's a, quite a wide generalization to say that. But you know what? I'll tell you right now that uh, from the experience that I do have and the stories that I do have, which obviously aren't as many as Jason and David's, um, I completely agree with them. And also one more point that I find is uh, detrimental to somebody who's borrowing money is that raising money becomes incredibly distracting. There's so many different pitch meetings and legal maneuvering, contracts, et cetera, et cetera, that you have to put your attention on. And when you put your attention on that, your attention isn't put on the business. It's not put on making sales. It's not put on new marketing campaigns. It's not put on new features. And a lot of the times the companies that are doing this, they're smaller companies. You can't afford to take time to go and look for outside money when you need to be putting all that time investing inwards inside the company. So again, Jason and David highly recommend that outside money is plan Z. They never took outside money, actually, when they were growing 37 signals, when they started Basecamp, when they built you know, Ruby on Rails, all the other products they created. They didn't take outside money. And so you got to agree with the guys who have built something truly remarkable and didn't need to take outside money. And none of them were independently wealthy either. 
So an interesting piece of information or something to sit and think about. If you're an entrepreneur, you own a product or a service and you're looking to take it to market and you're looking to start bringing in some investors, maybe take a step back and think a little bit deeper about it and think about this golden nugget with more detail. Golden nugget number five, embrace constraints. Now, this is a golden nugget I have a lot of experience in because when I led teams through creating innovations, new products, new services, their executive teams would always put constraints on the innovation team. And it's really funny because the innovation teams would always look at the constraints and be scared of them. Ah, you know, it's just these constraints, they're going to hold us back. They're going to hold us back. It's not true. It's just not true. Constraints, they're always seen as a negative thing that holds us back from achieving a particular goal. So because of constraints, we say we can't do something. You know, if, if only we could have some of this, or if only we could get some of that, we could build X, Y, Z. No, it's not about resources. It's about resourcefulness. When you have constraints, it forces you to be creative and be efficient with what you've got. Constraints are positive. They force you to think deeper about the challenge, the problem you're currently having, and to come up with new solutions. Constraints aren't designed to hold you down. Constraints are an opportunity to you to think about something else, to try a different solution, to look in a different direction for a new way to solve a problem. Hell, I mean, if we all had all the money in the world and all the time in the world and there was no constraints, then, you know, we'd have no problems. But that's not reality. Reality is full of constraints. And those that are successful at creating really unique products, services, campaigns, strategies, they deal with constraints in creative fashions. So it's your opportunity. Embrace constraints. Golden nugget number six, don't copy. Now, sometimes copying can be a part of the learning process. When you're in school, learning how to develop a campaign or even write an essay, it's helpful to see how others did it so you learn how to do it yourself. Now, there's nothing wrong with a little copying as long as you realize that it's hurting your development in the long run. Now, the reason it hurts your development is because copying skips understanding. And understanding is how you grow. You have to understand why something works or why something is the way it is. When you blatantly copy, you don't get why something is done the way it's done. The work an originator puts into something, it's not seen. Just the end product is seen. Whether it's a finished product or a finished article or a finished campaign. It's that invisible element that is the most significant the copycat will never be able to replicate that kind of success again because he or she doesn't know how to get there, only to copy. We see this all the time. Advertisers are terrible at this. You see an advertisement that comes out and it's really creative and very shortly thereafter, there's somebody else copying that advertisement. Copying will forever put you in the slow lane as you never know what it takes to lead. You're just a follower. So my advice to you is be inspired. Do something differently and stop copying. It's holding you back from uncovering new opportunities. Because remember, the true magic is in developing it. It's in the piece that's not seen. It's the continuous failure and throwing away pieces of paper and draft after draft after draft. That's where the magic happens. 
You know, all the glitz and glory, it's the end product. That's all that we see, though. But the true magic happened before then. And that's where you need to spend your time. So don't copy. Spend your time in the editing room. Spend your time throwing away draft after draft. Because that's what's going to really make you great. Golden nugget number seven. Emulate chefs. An interesting golden nugget. I really like this one. Emeril Lagasse. Mario Batali, Bobby Flay, Julia Child, Paula Dean. These are all great chefs. But there are a lot of other great chefs out there as well too. Why do we know these chefs better? Because they share everything they know. They put their recipes in cookbooks and show their techniques on their cooking shows. Now as marketers, salespeople, executives and entrepreneurs, you should also share everything you know too. Now, I know when I said that, it might have scared you. Most people do get scared of the idea of sharing what they believe to be trade secrets or things that give them a competitive advantage. It's not always true. Very rarely do you hold a competitive advantage with the knowledge that you have. It's very rare that other people aren't thinking the same thing or know the same thing. Now, let's go back to the chef thing. Recipes, they're really easy to copy. And yet, these chefs continue to share their products and how they built them with the world. All of these chefs do this because they know it's not enough to beat them. They're always learning. They're continually growing. So they're not concerned about things like that. Their attention is on creating recipes, great recipes. So why don't other businesses do that? I think it comes down to a type of psychology, I think. I really do think that it's it's scarcity versus abundance. It really is. A lot of people try to hold on to what they have because we don't have much. You know, these are our trade secrets and we don't want to share too much of the world. So we're going to hold on to certain things or we're going to be very strategic in terms of how we tell people certain things about our business or about how we do things. No, come on, guys. You'll get far more results if you share something of value with people. By holding things back, you're not really saying anything all that unique. You're not really delivering true value to the world. In a world where content marketing is really king, content and context, and spreading that message far and wide through all the social networks that we have, we have a great opportunity here to do something great. Every single business out there. But you have to make sure that you're adding value. So be like a chef and continually cook, share your recipes, create a book, tell people how you did it. Tell the world something that's informative, educational, a little bit promotional as well too. It's okay. Emulate chefs. Don't hold back what you know. If you have trade secrets, if you have something great to share, then share it. Share it with the world. We have so many different channels to do that now. It'd be a shame not to take advantage of them. Emulate chefs. What a great golden nugget. All right, next golden nugget. But before I give you that golden nugget, quick question for you. What do you call a generic pitch sent out to hundreds or thousands of people in the hopes that they'll write about it? It's called spam. And golden nugget number eight, press releases are spam. Press releases are nothing but spam. And we need to stop sending them out in the hopes that we attract attention for our product or service or piece of news. Sit down for a second and just be honest with yourself and realize that there is truly nothing special or newsworthy to what you're doing. Now, that might sound harsh, but 999 times out of 1,000, that's the case. 
everything is labeled as revolutionary or groundbreaking, amazing. And it's just sickening because it's just not true in the context of what the rest of the world offers. Now, here's what you should do the next time you want to get someone's attention. Don't do what everyone else does. That's first. You need to stand out and do something different. So don't send that press release. Don't spam people. Instead, call people directly and communicate what you're doing with passion, with excitement. Don't take the easy way out. It's the crappy way out. Do something meaningful. Contact your targets one by one with a personal video or a phone call. Now, it'll take longer to do all of that. But in these days, it's about quality and depth. It's not about quantity and size of the area you cover. Now, also another tip for you, go with niche media over mass media. You'll get far more hits to your website and you'll get far more uptake, more people listening to what you have to say by going through trade publications or niche bloggers, for example. So think about that next time you want to push some news out there. Maybe don't go right towards the top media and don't go and send out all those press releases, guys. Cut that crap out, really. It's a waste of time. Editors don't like to get that crap anymore. And while they still do, go and talk to an editor and see how many they get and see what they actually do with that. Blew me away when I took a walk through a few few press rooms and see all the news releases that come through and see how many of them just don't get printed, get deleted immediately, or just get ignored. People are too busy. They don't like that. So take a different route, you guys. Take some of the advice that I shared with you and try those out. I can almost guarantee you you'll be more successful taking those routes as opposed to sending out those crappy press releases. Golden nugget number nine. Overnight sensations don't exist. Now, while your dreams will say you'll get to your goal faster, reality is the ultimate truth. And they'll hold you back from getting there as fast as your dreams think you will. You have to understand that there is no such thing as an overnight sensation. They just don't exist. You need to prepare to grind it out, to be consistent, to hustle, to dedicate yourself to the marathon. And don't even think about trying to speed things up either. A lot of the times when people start up a new company or they bring out a new product or new service, they hire a big expensive marketing firm or PR firm who think they'll take them from zero to a million dollars doesn't happen that way same thing with social media as well too far too many marketers are out there running campaigns or trying to build profiles by going to people who will add new followers to them you know you go to fiverr.com for example now fiverr is not a sponsor of the podcast but not a plug for them but i do know a lot of people that i used to work with would go to fiverr and they would try to get people to add followers to them and so they'd pay whatever it was 50 to to $100 to get somebody in Belarus or somebody in India to go ahead and add, you know, 100,000 followers to their account. So now it makes them look impressive. Well, it doesn't make you look impressive when you go and you see everyone following you. It's just a bunch of bots, but that's besides the point. Take note of everyone who started off invisible in this world and became behemoths. Starbucks, Apple, Nike, Amazon, Google... Even a podcaster like Joe Rogan, who has the top podcast in iTunes. And like I said, while iTunes rankings fluctuate consistently with you know, great volatility, Joe Rogan's podcast continues to be one of the top podcasts in iTunes. And he hit that after six years of consistent podcasting. A couple months ago, he just hit six years, week after week 
after week of investing in this channel. He's now the top podcast in iTunes. He's not an overnight sensation, folks. And all those companies I mentioned as well, too, they all started off small. And they did not become what they are today overnight. It took a lot of time. So you have to be mentally prepared for success. If you want success, you have to know that you're going to have to grind it out for a little bit. And for a little bit, I mean maybe a year, maybe two years before you start seeing some real changes. Now, with Cut the Crap Podcast, I'm experiencing some success right now. I'm not expecting Cut the Crap Podcast to get to a million downloads an episode. Not yet, at least. Right now, I'm expecting at least, you know, 4,000 downloads an episode. Right now, we're averaging about 3,500 downloads an episode, which is really, really good for a podcast that's hitting episode 10 right now. I feel pretty lucky about that because there's a lot of people out there who start podcasts who are on podcast 100 and don't even get that yet. So yes, I do consider myself very lucky, but my goal is a million plus an episode, at least a million. Joe Rogan's getting about 10 million an episode right now. That's awesome. I want to get there and I am going to get there, but guess what? I'm not going to get there overnight. I'm not going to get there this year. I'm probably not going to get there next year or the year after that. Maybe not even the year after that. And you know, maybe I will, but I have to take specific actions and I have to work hard to get there. I have to increase my distribution. I have to make sure that people are aware of this. And it's going to be a lot of work to get there. So remember the point that overnight sensations, they just don't exist. If you want to build something remarkable, you have to be in it for the long run. And you have to know, again, go back to episode two of Cut the Crap podcast with the dip. You have to understand that you're going to go through a dip, a time where it's going to be really challenging. Times are going to be tough. It's going to be hard on you mentally, physically, emotionally to continue to persist in the face of failure, in the face of just people not knowing who you are, what you do. But it's those people that persist through the dip, who see the gold at the end of the tunnel, who see the top of the dip and say, hell, I want to be there. Those are the people that make it through. Go back and listen to episode two of the dip and maybe you'll see what I'm talking about here. Another great book, but this is a really important golden nugget, especially for millennials. I know a lot of millennials, you know, I'm a millennial myself and we have really short attention spans. You know what we want. We want it now. That includes success. You got to prepare yourself. Success can be a long, hard run. But let me tell you, if the benefits at the end are worth it, you're going to stick through it. Golden nugget number 10, sound like you. What is it with people trying to sound like the big companies? All of you in the B2B space know exactly what I'm talking about too. I know you do. The stiff language, the formal announcements, all the bland, blah, 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 corporate speak that doesn't make any sense. Cut that crap out. This kind of professionalism is a joke. We all know it, and yet we all do it. There is nothing wrong with sounding your size. If you're a small company, take some risks. Talk like a small company. Be different. Be honest about who you are and talk that way. Being honest about who you are is smart business. And language, it's your first impression. So don't start it off with a lie. Don't be afraid to be who you are. This applies to everything, everything from how you sound on the phone to how you present yourself in person to the blog posts you put out, the social media messages you put out, the interviews you conduct, etc., etc. Nobody said that you needed to write formal. 
Well, maybe your CEO did, but if he or she said that they're wrong, you don't have to write in formal, boring corporate speak. It's not necessary. In fact, it's not needed. It's easily ignored. It's boring. Who said you have to remove all the personality when putting words on paper? Forget all the so-called rules and just be authentic. Have personality for crying out loud, honestly. That's the stuff that stands out. You go to B2B websites, uh, law firms, um, professional service firms like uh, tech companies, accountants. It's all the same corporate garbage speak. You take one logo. Let me say I go to a website and I erase their logo. I could take a logo from their competitor, put it right on top, and you wouldn't even know the difference because they all sound the same. Sound different, you guys. For crying out loud, it's such a tough, tough time to be in where we all have to be unique. We all have to be different. We all know that, and yet some of the simplest things to change, we don't change. Your website content is a perfect example of that. Sound different. And by different, I don't mean, you know, be ridiculous and sound stupid. No, but I mean have some personality behind your voice. Try to get some of that culture through your website. You know, if you have some quirky people internally, maybe try getting them to read your copy and get some honest feedback from them. You know, there's a multitude of different content writing strategies you can have. But the one thing that I'll say, the biggest takeaway from this one is just sound like you. Sound unique. Don't try to sound like the big companies. Don't look at IBM or Deloitte and try to sound like them. It doesn't matter what they say online. People are going to buy from them regardless. You as a smaller enterprise, a small to medium-sized company, you need to be different. So talk differently. And again, be authentic. Be you. And for the final golden nugget of this week's episode, we all have ideas. And ideas aren't all that special. But what is special is what is often attached to those ideas. Inspiration. Golden nugget number 11, inspiration has an expiry date. Inspiration doesn't last forever. If you want to do something, drop everything you're doing and get started on it before the inspiration disappears on you. When you're high on inspiration, you can get weeks, even months of work done in short periods of time. Trust me, I know. It happens to me all the time. Inspiration for me, it's a force multiplier. It's a productivity catalyst. If you get it, don't waste it. Use it. I can't tell you how many times an inspired thought just popped into my head and I dropped everything and started working on it. And I got so much done, so much accomplished. And I was so glad that I did that too because if I had waited a day, maybe an hour, it would have been gone on me. And then I would have sat there trying to remember back and trying to get myself into that rhythm, that mode of thinking again. And it's tough. It's, it's like I'm trying to start up an engine that just has sludge in it. And it's so tough to get it going. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen that way. I've been on the other side of the fence where I've had an inspired thought. And I said, oh, man, I'm going to write this note down. I wrote the note down and I came back to it at the end of the day, you know, 12 hours later. And that idea that was on a piece of paper is now just a few words on a piece of paper. There is nothing attached to it anymore. It's dead. There is nothing there. And now all I have is something, again, like I said, I'm going to sit there, ponder on it for, you know, minutes, hours, whatever it is, and there's just nothing there. It's dead. There is something truly special there, and I can't explain it, but when inspired thoughts hit you, when inspiration hits you, you have to. Listen to me. You have to drop 
everything you're doing. And while that might sound stupid, you have to do that. I, I know it does sound ridiculous. You might be in the middle of work and inspired thought hits you and I'm going to tell you to run away from work. I, I know it does sound ridiculous, but what else do you want me to tell you? I'm speaking from firsthand experience here where, like I said, I've been on both sides of the fence. And when you capture ideas, concepts, new products, new services, new campaigns, new ideas for whatever it is you're creating and you hit are hit with that inspiration and you go right into it, damn it, things are great. You can come up with some really good ideas. But if you just let it sit, there's nothing I can do for you. I mean, it just like I said, it becomes words on papers, thoughts in your head, you know, uh, sounds on voice messages, whatever it is. I've done it and I've lost it. And I'll tell you right now, it's far easier, far easier to create something when you're inspired than it is after the fact. So remember, inspiration has an expiry date. And that expiry date, it's really, really, really short. So make sure that when you're inspired, you jump on it immediately. All right, my friends, that is a wrap. Thank you again so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast. That was Rework by Jason Freed and David Heinemer Hansen. Again, it's got to be up there with some of my favorite books. I'd say it's top three. And in fact, while I don't recommend you pick up a book very often, because a lot of business books are just a few core ideas stretched out over 300 pages, this book is truly different. I would highly recommend you actually pick up this book if you're in need of a little bit of inspiration, if you're in a role where you're just not inspired, this is one of those books that I would actually recommend you pick up. I really, really enjoyed this book. And it's rare that I find a book that I find such great pleasure in. And again, this is, this is definitely one of those books. So thank you again, you guys, for joining me. Uh, this whole entire week, I'm going to be away. And uh, I'm going to be in Cuba. So uh, I'm going to be out there uh, enjoying the sand, getting a tan, and uh, drinking some mojitos by the pool. So I can't wait to get out there. I'll be leaving um, Monday morning, and I will be back um, in the studio, um, Monday evening. So, uh, I'm going to have to record this podcast or the next week's podcast, um, before I leave for Cuba. So before I leave one more thing, thank you so much to everybody. Really. I do appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for sharing the podcast, for commenting on it, for reviewing it. Um, it's great to see the downloads go up on such a regular basis week after week. It's, um, it's, it's truly inspiring to me, and we're really on to something cool here. And uh, the more that I put this out, the more feedback I get from all of you, the better it is. So keep the feedback coming to me. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Just go to cutthecrappodcast.com. You'll see all my social media links there. Follow me. Communicate with me. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. Give me recommendations of books to, to uh, dissect. Tell me what you're reading. I want to know what you're reading. All right, anyways, you guys have a great week, and uh, I'll catch you next week. Take it easy.